Welcome in, folks, to our third episode of the Wagby Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your co-host, Colin Garini, joined by a new colleague of mine today, Nick Musto. Say hi to everybody. Nice to meet you, everybody. There we go. Nick's my partner in crime here. He will be the third Wagmateer. Unfortunately, Tyler can't make it today, so it's just us two. But we're going to pick right up where we left things off last time in the previous episode. I believe it was titled Waiver Wire Strategies and Why You Need to Adapt to Running Back by Committee. We detailed how the state of the committee backfield is coming to evolution, and it is very prominent today in the state of football right now. And in recent history, we have seen many successful backfields with two backs for that were very fantasy-friendly. Going from 2016, we have Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as of recently. And last year, there was a trio of really good backfields, um, Chubb and Hunt. Then we got James Conner, Chase Edmonds, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones. And we are here today. And we went into why that was. And it's really just because the running back position demands so much volume. Isn't that right? Yeah, I think it's important to reiterate the fact that there are only, from what we've studied, about eight single back backfields in the league. And that's a trend that has been declining in recent years. There's less and less single backfields. So it's important to study the, um, the relationship between a dynamic backfield with more of a ground and pound guy and then a receiving back, considering that's just the way the game is trending right now. Absolutely. Uh, for reference, those eight players, Najee, Alvin Kamara, David Montgomery, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, all of them were on the field for greater than two thirds of the snaps. That's it. That actually blew my mind that it was only those eight guys and no more, no less. Um, so without further ado, we are going to go into the valuable backfield committees for next year where there's going to be really good value plays in them. And let's start. Which backfield do you want to start with, Nick? Um, I think we can start in Cleveland with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, probably the most commonly known duo backfield in the league right now. Um, you, when you go to Cleveland, you see Kevin Stefanski. He's a very run-heavy offense kind of guy. But now with the addition of Sean Watson, Barring any legal setbacks, I could see this offense um, demanding more of a pass-heavy kind of game flow. And whereas I always expect Nick Chubb to get, you know, his 75 yards and be the goal line guy, I would predict much more involved or a much more involved role of Kareem Hunt in the passing game, considering Deshaun Watson, you know him, he can throw the ball. Kareem Hunt's an exceptional receiving back. I think that his stock might actually bar uh, considering the fact that his ADP is much lower than Chubbs I think that his value might possibly be higher considering where you can get him at in your draft in your redrafts absolutely I agree and for reference I don't know what kind of ADP data you got for yourself but I had Nick Chubb being drafted on average at the RB6 spot number seven overall Cooper Cup the only receiver to go in the top seven spots but I thought that was extremely inflated because we've seen Nick Chubb. His ceiling is pretty much 20 carries in a game. And with those 20 carries, he can do a lot of damage. I mean, we, we've seen time and again, he gets over 100 yards. 
two trips to the end zone, but that's his absolute best. And you and I were arguing off air yesterday. He really doesn't get involved in the passing game at all. He's lucky to get a reception a game. And to have that floor kind of wiped out from underneath you without the the receiving aspect to your fantasy stock, I think Nick Chubb at RB6 is really dangerous. Um, You're drafting him at his ceiling, I feel like, at that point. That's assuming he's going to be running through, gashing defenses and averaging over five yards per carry. So I agree. I, I really like Hunt's value here. Yeah, the consensus ADP that I'm looking at has Nick Chubb at the RB11 off the board and Kareem Hunt at the RB30. And if they're going to put up similar numbers, I think last year Chubb or Chubb averaged 15.6 and Kareem averaged 13.8. There's yeah. really not much of a difference there. So why spend a high draft pick on a guy that you can get his counterpart in the third in the third round? No, I completely agree. I'm I'm all for it because again, even at RB11, like the data that you pulled. I still think you're drafting Nick Chubb with high hopes that one, he stays healthy and two, he's commanding 15 plus carries a game and being very effective with them. He's got to find the end zone in order to truthfully output a really good fantasy game for you. So I like Kareem Hunt because he has a safer floor. He's going to, he's going to get a, bring in a couple of receptions each game and Deshaun Watson, like you detailed, wow, Watson, like you detailed, he, um, in his time at Houston, he would throw the ball to the running back position on average about five times a game. So that number, that figure seems a little low. I'm sure Kevin Stefanski, you mentioned he's a really great offensive guru. He's going to get the ball in his running back's hands because that's a strength to this team. So I think Hunt handles the ball in the air a lot more this year. And I, I too like his value at RB30 way more than taking Chubb at RB11. Why don't we take a look at the New York Jets with Brees Hall and Michael Carter? That's an interesting one because you have Hall coming in. He was the first running back taken off the board. He was drafted at RB, RB1, the number 34 overall pick. So it's not like New York Jets spent a fourth-round pick like they did on Michael Carter. No, they, they went up and grabbed Brees Hall pretty early in the draft with high expectations. Um I think Michael Carter was never drafted to be a premier back. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I could still see Michael Carter being involved um, a decent amount in the pass game. You don't have much of a run game from the Jets. They have to throw the ball. They're down a lot. So there is some hope that Carter could get involved, you know, in some um, late game trying to pick up yards they're down 15 points but in the fourth quarter they're going to need to pass the ball you can see him getting involved there but I wouldn't base my my hopes of a player around whether or not they'll be losing games and need him to work um I would say that Brees Hall is going to be the goal line guy I think he's going to be the one and two down guy I think that he's probably going to be the safer option in this backfield but I could see Michael Carter being involved I agree. Um, we went into depth on all the rookie running backs. We have an article posted on our website at www.wagbyfantasy.com. Really sexy um, website. I just created it. I'm really proud of what it turned out to be. So give it a look. Go to the article if you want to read into depth of this situation. But Brees Hall, as you mentioned, he's he's a workhorse back. I mean, he 
touched the ball 590 times over his past two seasons at Iowa State. He's 5'11", 220 pounds. He can handle a heavy workload. I don't think he's going to see that necessarily in this offense just because Michael Carter is going to spell him on third down plays. And as you mentioned, game flow could take call off the field, um, opting for a Carter who imposes a little more receiving threat. I still think Brees Hall is the first and second down back, as you mentioned, and I think he's going to get 200 plus touches this year. Where does that put him in your rankings amongst running backs? Do you think? See, it's hard to rank a rookie. Um, I know that ADP has Michael Carter higher than Brees Hall. They have uh, Michael Carter at the 29th running back off the board and Brees Hall at the 35th. But personally, I'd rank that them back, to back with, yeah, I'd rank them back to back with more expectation of Brees Hall. Yeah. I'd probably know Brees Hall around. If he's a starting running back and he's a one, two down guy, I'd probably put him around the 25 spot. I'm a little. I'm even a little higher. I had Brees Hall at RB 19 to 21, right around that 20 spot. I I think he can see 225 touches this year. He's a, he's a good low end RB two. If I if I have a high end RB one, say I have Joe Mixon, I'm comfortable with Brees Hall being my RB two. Whereas Michael Carter, I think he's more of a bench player. He's definitely a stash guy, base barring any injuries for Brees Hall definitely a stash guy he was very valuable i think he was the he had like seven or eight games with 12 plus touches last year for the new york jets and he was the only running back with those such games tevin coleman might have had one or two but when carter was given the spotlight he did well he had some really good performances one game he put up 32 points he he showed that when he's a premier back he's at least going to score for you so that just makes me wonder if one or two if Brees Hall or um, Michael Carter gets hurt, then just where does the other rank? Yeah. I agree. How about we move on to Dallas with uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard? Everybody's favorite topic. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and start off with this one. Boy, being a Zeke owner last year, it's going to be hard for me to go back down that path. I had him, I got him in week seven right after his great start to the season. And after that one game above 20 points, Dog shit. it was, it was depressing. It was, I, I, I somehow made it to the championship with that guy on my roster, but boy, did he cost me it. Um, when you look at Dallas, they have the second fastest pace offense in the league. Um, but that being said, I think that plays more into Pollard's area of expertise. He's got more juice, more uh, quicker step off, off the line. He's a faster guy right now. Zeke, he's slower. That's what we saw last year, but he was playing with a knee injury for those last, I think it was nine or 10 games. I don't know how much that's going to affect him this year. If he can I'm rolling my eyes at you about that. (laughs) I don't give a shit about no PCL injury. They would not play him if he was truthfully injured. They have Tony Pollard. You could see it on the field sometimes after some hits, he struggled getting up, but him being Ezekiel Elliott, it's going to be hard for the Cowboys to stray away from playing that name. It's Ezekiel Elliott. But do I think that he's where he was three years ago? I don't. I think Pollard is the 1A and he's the 1B. And I think that this pass-heavy, fast offense in Dallas 
will utilize Pollard more so than they will Zeke. I could still see Zeke being the goal line guy, which could take away from Pollard's stock because he's, I mean, Zeke's a big guy. Pollard's that quick receiving back, but Pollard's going to get the work down the middle of the field. Do you think Dallas is really only hanging on to Zeke because they gave him that horrid contract? He's got the worst contract in the league. Yeah, I think that that definitely plays a part. It's Ezekiel Elliott. He makes a lot of money. You can't just throw this guy out on the street, you know. Even if you have a better guy on your roster, there's just this demand to keep him on the field from your fan base that supports him and him being Ezekiel Elliott. He's just not going anywhere right now, and that's something that we have to work with in the fantasy football world. And I think that he will be used, but I think that the value you'll get from drafting Tony Pollard instead of Zeke will be much, much more uh, useful to your team. Tony Pollard, RB31 off the board, Zeke, RB13. Did you know Tony Pollard had the third highest breakaway run rate in the league at 8.5% of his runs? Guess where Zeke was? Yeah, exactly. You, you, 50, 52nd in the league, it was right around 2.5% of his runs went for, I think the metric is only 10 10 plus yards. That's really mind boggling to see your quote unquote backup be such more effective. Pollard averaged over six yards per carry. I believe it might've been five, but still he was much more efficient than Zeke. He's young. He's on the last year of his rookie contract. I wonder if Dallas is going to get the most bang for the buck out of Tony, this is likely going to be the last year that they can truthfully afford him I would expect him to get a nice pay raise from whoever he goes to and be a premier back next year. But Dallas's backfield is really perplexing this year. I like the cheaper guy. I like Tony Pollard. He's younger. He's faster. He, I feel like he'll be better for game flow, as you mentioned. So it'll be interesting to see where they, they fall after this year. Let's go to Green Bay. This one's my favorite one to talk about. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. See, they're the two best players on this offense other than Aaron Rodgers. Um, they're going to be utilized, especially I think I think that Green Bay might lean more towards the run this year than they have in previous years. They've been a pass first offense with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. That connection is now gone. Aaron Rodgers is going to recognize that these guys behind me are the two best players that I can utilize to get us down the field. And I think that we'll see a lot more of A.J. Dillon than we have in previous years. You kind of saw his outbreak last year. Aaron Jones was on and off the field with injury. A.J. Dillon kind of took advantage of that opportunity and started to dominate his touches. Um, I think we'll see a lot of A.J. Dillon on first and second down, but I don't think Aaron Jones is going to go anywhere. I think that we'll see a lot of him on first and second down as well. I think we'll see a nice even split, to be honest. With he might be like there. a slot receiver. He, yeah, he, he could be utilized. Yeah, no, I am really intrigued about this backfield because I think everybody thinks that they can't share it and still be very effective. No, I think you could uh, – a crazy lineup would be having both of those guys on your team. It, it'd be very unconventional, but I think both are really good values. Aaron Jones on average, RB14, A.J. Dillon, RB23. I think at those spots in PPR format, 
you're going to get good value out of both of them. AJ Dillon, somebody that you think is just a brute and can only handle the ball. He's going to be running up the gut, averaging four yards per carry like he did last year. No, he, you saw he could handle the ball through the air as well. Aaron Rodgers loves throwing to his backs and he's going to do it more than ever. I mean, that receiver core is really putrid this year. I wouldn't be surprised if those two are in the top three for receptions and reception yards. That's how terrible it is. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that you may see more touches this year go towards AJ Dillon. However, we've seen what Aaron Jones can do with limited touches. It takes one big play from him. He's that kind of guy. He's a big play guy. He's great in the open field. He's great at miss, making someone miss. That's not really in Aaron or AJ Dillon's field house. He's more, he is more of that pound guy. You know, he's not, he's not the guy that you want in the open field, which that guy that gets in the open field is something that's really beneficial for fantasy because to get in that open field oftentimes involves receptions. And if you're not playing in a full PPR league, then I don't know what you're doing. That's what you need to do. It adds more fun to the game. You're just no fun. Like you're a wet blanket. If you play even, even half PPR, like what's the point? You're just, you're just scoring less points. Have a little fun, live a little. People go to bed at eight o'clock. Okay, so we could move on to the Denver backfield with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, if you want to start us off there. Yeah, I drafted Javante last year. I love him. He's my baby. Um, Do I think his stock is getting way overinflated this year? Absolutely. Melvin Gordon's back. That backfield dynamic isn't really going to change much year over year. They each got 203 carries on the dot. That's a perfect 50-50 split. Melvin Gordon's being drafted right around RB30 and Javante Williams borderline top 10. He was RB12 from what I was looking at. And I think you are drafting Javante Williams way too early. I think he's a great player. Obviously he had one of the highest yards created beyond blocking rates and total yardage last year he's a really good back really talented but he is not a premier back yet he's still in that same split backfield you're going to get really frustrated owning either of these that being said i think both of them are solid players i think both of them both of them finished uh rb 17 and 21 williams and gordon respectively last year i think they're probably going to finish close to that maybe a little more variance spread out in between them but they're still there they're in a much more high powered offense this year i think that helps both of their stocks do i prefer one or over the other Whichever one's cheaper, to be honest, I think they're both going to find the end zone more than they did last year just because they have the playmaker like Russell Wilson throwing the ball. Um, Both of them can handle it through the air and on the ground. What do you think? Um, I think it's interesting to look at the ADP here. Javante, as the overall general consensus says, is the number nine running back off of the board and Melvin Gordon at 36. Yeah. Both split touches perfectly last year. And you're ranking one guy 25 spots, 27 spots ahead of the other. I think that that's a reach. Um, I think that Javante may take more of an edge this year in touches. I think that that is the trend that should follow. Do you think 60-40 split is about? Yeah, I I don't see that being that big of a deal. Melvin Gordon is still a good running back, and he shouldn't be overlooked. Um, 
being said, I, I think Javante's the guy. I think he should be the guy, but he's not the guy yet. There's Melvin Gordon in the backfield, and it's going to be, yeah, 60-40. I would be fine with either guy. I think that Mel Javante's ranked way too high, and I think Melvin Gordon might be ranked a little bit too low. I mean, Javante is being ranked ahead of DeAndre Swift, yeah. Aaron Jones. There's some big names right below him that I'm like, whoa, pump the brakes. I mean, as you said, he's not a premier back yet. I love him, but he's not. Melvin Gordon's a better value here. Let's go to Seattle. This one's one of my favorite backfields this year. Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker. Do you have anything to say about them? I'd say they're very similar backs. Both can be used in the receiving game. Both can run the ball as well. So I think that you won't see one take over that one-two role and the other take over that receiving back third down role. I think that you'll see possessions. I think that you'll get a Rashad Penny possession and a Kenneth Walker possession. I it's, think that it's funny that both of them, they're both being ribbed on not being quote unquote receiving backs just because they don't have a ton of receptions, especially Kenneth Walker. That was a big hit on his draft stock, but it's not like they don't know how to catch a ball. They're, they're complete backs. I think they're going to handle the ball equally as much. I agree. I think both would be, I think that Rashad Penny kind of starts off the year with maybe some more uh, uh, touches than uh, Kenneth Walker will. But um, I think that as we get further into the season, we'll see Kenneth Walker kind of seep into that as well. Yeah, I really relate it. I think Seattle's offense is pretty easy to predict. Maybe it's just me being lazy. And, you know, I'm going to hear this on Twitter that everybody's going to say this is a lazy take. But 2022 Seahawks is 2021 Broncos. Drew Locke's at the helm. You have really talented receivers, an incapable quarterback. You're going to be really run heavy. Denver ran the ball over 400 times last year. I think Penny and Walker can chalk up over 200 touches throughout the year, giving them great value. And as you said, early in the season, it's probably going to be the Rashad Penny show, similar to how Melvin, Melvin Gordon was utilized more. But throughout the season, Kenneth Walker is going to start clawing his way and seep it into those touches. So Carson's gone. Yeah, he's deceased, I think, in my mind. I mean, I don't even know what his status is, but the moment I heard Pete Carroll say he might not play football again, it's like, okay, just let him retire. He's what's he going to do? Break his neck for three straight years. Like just please Chris Carson walk away. You're RB three. Now you're not going to get any time on the field. Just retire. Simplify this for us. Fantasy owners. How about we move on to the dolphins, a backfield that I want nothing to do with. Yeah. Um, You have Michelle Moster and Edmonds. Three different running backs. Michelle, your ground pound. Edmonds, your exceptional receiver. And then Moster, your fast change of pace guy, big play guy. Um, what I see happening here is Michelle kind of takes over the goal line role, the one-two role. But you're on a, an offense that isn't really run-oriented, at least in previous years. However, with Mike McDaniel now, you might see more run involved as he did with San Francisco but um yeah I I it's just not a backfield that I want a part of yeah me neither and it almost makes me just want to skip them entirely and not talk about them but you identified the rules perfectly um that's how I see it 
Now, Mike McDaniel is going to toy with us. He could use one as a premier back one week, and then Mostert could have a great week, and then Edmonds is a premier back. You know, I just it's not a backfield I want to count on predicting right because there's three guys. It's hard enough to predict the workload split between two, let alone three. Um, Edmonds has the highest floor with his yeah, receiving. receiving work. Um, other than that, no thanks. Let I me. will say that the one thing that I could see happening here is Michelle takes over. You saw what he did last year in LA. He was good. He wasn't a bad running yeah. back. He touched he the ball over ball. 200 times. Yeah, he, he was pretty solid, and he slowly and quietly got his touches up. And are we going to see that this year? I don't know. Like It's just too hard to predict right now. Exactly. Let's go to Jacksonville. This one is – uh different as well Travis Etienne the second year back out of Clemson missed entire rookie year due to list Frank surgery and his foot and James Robinson who just tore his Achilles at the end of the season who knows if either of these guys are truthfully going to be healthy by the season what do you think about these guys I I hate Urban Meyer for wanting to take Etienne this was James Robinson's backfield when you get a guy off your practice squad that has, that proves that he can be one of the better backs in the league, why draft a, a first round running back? Or did ATM go first or second? Yeah, first. He was first round. Yeah, pick right after Najee. Yeah, exactly. Why draft a first round running back when you got a practice squad guy who can who's proven that he can be the guy? It doesn't make sense to me. I guess maybe we'll see. Barring any injuries, we'll see James Robinson be the one-two guy and ETN the receiving guy. And in an offense that is most likely going to be losing games in Jacksonville, ETN might hold a lot of un, a lot of um, undervalued value, considering that they will be passing the ball a little bit more. And I could see ETN getting some passing work over Robinson, but Robinson's proven he's the guy there. I'd be hard to see him not getting work, and I'm still high on Robinson. I think Marlon Mack might have the most rushing yards for a a running back coming off of Achilles surgery. So that's just something to keep in mind. Achilles is really hard for running backs to make a full recovery from James Robinson tour relatively late in the season. I don't think he's going to be good to go at the beginning of the season. I do think Travis Etienne will. He'll have over 12 months to recover by week one. Um, there was reports that he was about 85% recovered a couple weeks ago, maybe even months ago at this point, time's been flying, but I like Travis Etienne in the long run. He's going to be paired with his good old buddy, Trevor Lawrence. Now, as you said, Jacksonville is a still a putrid team. They just added more mediocre talent this offseason with Christian Kirk. And I don't know if either will be valuable. However, I like Etienne's upside. He was a really good playmaker, really efficient in college. Everybody was all over him last year saying he was going to be the guy. Um, a couple people thought he'd be way better than Najee. So where's that hype at this year is my question. And where do you think people will be drafting Travis Etienne? It's hard to tell. I actually don't have his ADP pulled up right now. Do you know off the top of your head? RB22 is what I saw. 22? Okay. Um, I think that's pretty high. Yeah, I'm looking at 26 right now. Okay. okay. 26, yeah, that's that's high. I think 
I, I don't think that he's going to hold as much value as what you'd be taking him expecting. You know, that's just James Robinson exists. I think that when James Robinson's there, it's his backfield. And okay. Say James is out at the beginning of the season. We James don't know out, when I he's. Think, James is out. I think ETN at 26 is what I'm looking at, or 22 is what you said. I think yeah. that might be a little bit low. Oh, really? Okay. Would you trust? Would you trust him as your RB2? Without James Robinson, yeah, I would trust him as my RB2. Okay. That's yeah, a good fill that role well. And um, is it is it Carlos Hyde is their next? Bruh. Next <laughs> he's, he's just a bruh moment. He, he yeah. ain't nothing. <laughs> exactly. Let's go through rapid fire. Um, let's do some pickums between these guys and split backfields. Who'd yeah. you take, Kareem Hunt or A.J. Dillon? On the clock, take Kareem with Deshaun Watson. I think Kareem's the better pick there. I think he's going to hold a lot of value. I'm going to take the other side. I like AJ Dillon more. I think he's going to be higher volume, going to get punch a ball in more. Next one Pollard or Walker? Ooh, ooh, uh, Tony Pollard. I think, yeah, definitely Tony Pollard. I think that he is the number one, where Zeke's the number two, one A, one B kind of thing. That's I think Walker, he won't see Ben until later in the season so that's yeah definitely followed there that's crazy that we went from zeke to being rb1 possibly last year to the rb2 on his team mm-hmm. all right pollard or zeke kind of answered I this answered already. Yeah. yeah yeah okay Travis etn or cam acres the guy that we didn't really touch up on i'm definitely taking acres that really high powered offense acres is the number one okay. Henderson exists but acres is the guy yeah i mean LA is a really valuable backfield. We saw that last year, just guy like Daryl Henderson, who's a good back. Don't get me wrong, but he still was very valuable. Um, I'm anti acres. I think I'm Travis Etienne, but both are very risky. How about Rashad Penny or your boy acres? That's tough, but I think I'm still taking acres. I like a running back on a good offense. Yeah. I love you know, they're winning games. They're more run heavy. Yep. Okay. I'll side with you. Aaron Jones or Javante Williams? I'm probably taking Javante here. Really? Yeah. Javante. Wow. I think that, that he was as good as he was last year with a 50-50 workload. And I think it leans more in his favor this year, Javante. And a much better, much more improved offense. I, I could see it. I can still see Javante being top 10. I'm going to take Aaron Jones. I like his receiving upside. If Aaron Jones has four to five catches a game and six to eight carries, that's a very low workload. I still think what are the odds that he's going to rip one of those off for 20 plus yards and find the end zone. I think he's very valuable. And our last one here, Javante or Zeke? Uh, Javante. I don't even know why. I don't even know why I threw that one on there. Let's go. We got a couple minutes left. How about pick one running back to talk about that you think is a major red red flag next year and that you're going to avoid at all costs, even if they fall into your lap? Honestly, I think it's one of the first guys taken off the board in Dallin Cook. Um, He stole mine. (laughs) Sorry, but yeah. (laughs) Dallin Cook, he's he's an injury-prone guy. They use him way too much. And 
Alexander Madison has proven that he is an exceptional running back and can handle the role of being an RB1. So having that on your bench doesn't make sense. They're going to kind of split more of the carries. I still think it leans in Dalvin Cook's favor, of course, maybe like 65-35, maybe 60-40. But I think Madison gets much more yep. involved this year. He's got the skill. He's got the talent. In addition, Kevin O'Connell is a new coach. We mentioned that last episode. He comes from L.A. He loves backfield committees. I mean, you saw over the past two years when he was offensive coordinator for the Rams, five different backs had 100 carry seasons. That's the most in the league over that time. Also, Dava Cook has missed multiple games every season of his career. That injury risk is very huge. Yep. Do you have a guy with red flags? Well, Dalvin Cook, I wouldn't even touch with a 10-feet pull. He's got the second most touches over the last three years, only behind Derrick Henry. Um, But if I can't choose him just because you did, I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey. Um, Easy choice. I'm not taking – yeah, it is an easy choice. He burned me at the stove last year. I literally saw a burning – stove and i put my hand on it for 10 seconds and then lifted up that's what cmc did to me last year i knew heading into the season he was a high risk high reward guy but even more so this year if he's available and i'm at like the number four overall spot i don't think i'm going to take him i don't think i would take him unless if he falls into the latter half of the first round it's just too risky for your first pick. It's just it, too risky. It is too risky. And then if I don't have, if I'm waiting, you know, 15 plus picks, like I would, if I have a top pick in the first round for my second pick, I can't get a solid RB2. I don't trust CMC just because he's had North Turner as his offensive coordinator over the past two years or past couple years, actually longer than that. Now it's Ben McAdoo. And I'm like, how the fuck does that guy have a job? He sucks. Um, so, and North Turner likes running, running, running backs into the ground. He's a very high volume guy for one, one back. So I think that favors tilts out of CMC's favor. The injury risk is there. And then they bring in Deontay Foreman, who was really good in, um, in the absence of Derrick Henry. I think he's a bigger back. Who's going to command some third and one and goal line work. And I think all he the, definitely takes the number two role in that offense too. Yeah, all the more reason to avoid Christian McCaffrey. Now, if he falls to me at number nine, I don't know. I might, I might take him if I can get somebody like Javante or Aaron Jones as my RB two when the wraparound comes. I might take the risk on CMC just because he's far and away the best PPR fantasy player ever like when he's on the field ever he averaged 25 points a game last year and games that he fully completed he's just solid as can be and i hope he proves us wrong because fantasy is more fun with christian mccaffrey it is um if you're avoiding cmc like me you're probably gonna think oh man what if i took him throughout the year just just forget it you're fine in the first round you're gonna get some stud Make mm-hmm. make the right pick in the first round. You can't necessarily win your league with your first pick, but you can sure as hell lose it. That's one of the key focal points I have preached in my management style is reduce risk early on. Yep, I agree. All right, we're about out of time. 
Thanks for listening, folks. Follow us on Twitter at Wagme Fantasy. Please visit our website. I spent like 20 hours this week making it look sexy. It is awesome. It's got everything. Our broadcast. Wow. Wow. Our podcasts, our blogs, and our YouTube videos are all on there. You can also subscribe to our email on our page. It's pretty much on every page. That way you don't miss any content. That is our email address is football at wagmefantasy.com. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, RSS, everywhere you need. Nick, thanks for joining us. Like, uh, I'm glad you're here. The show's only going to get better with you. You know, we need your expertise. Love being being part of Wagme. Absolutely. Do you have Do you have any closing remarks? Um, I also created a TikTok yesterday for Wagme. Um, No content has been uploaded yet, but we will get on that this week. So, if you're active on that app, give us a follow. Also, I got to get you a hat, brother. I got plenty in in my closet. Next time I see you, I'll, I'll get you one. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys. Signing off.